0: This is The Medical Beat on 97.1
1: FM Talk. All right. Hey, good morning. Good morning, St. Louis and surrounding areas. You're listening to The Medical Beat 97.1, and it's a beautiful day outside if you like rain and cold. We're uh, going to be talking about a... uh, the topic that's on everybody's mind. And I, I don't even have to tell you what that topic is, but, but we're, we're going to talk about uh, the COVID-19 pandemic, especially especially as it pertains to us right here at home in the St. Louis metro area. And specifically, we're going to talk about uh, how the pandemic is going uh, for us in St. Louis, uh, what the projections are for the future, and, uh, and a million other things. And we have with us here um, a very special guest. We have the county executive, uh, Dr. Sam Page. Say hi, Dr. Page. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Hey, we are really, really thrilled that you could be here on the show with us. So so for, for those of you who don't know, uh, Dr. Page uh, is an anesthesiologist uh, who was on the uh, county council. And then relatively recently, uh, the previous county executive in St. Louis had to, uh, had to step aside, uh, long, long backstory to that one. And, and now, uh, now uh, Dr. Sam Page is county executive and uh, became county executive soon before the county faced a major medical crisis, uh, specifically the COVID-19 pandemic. So we're going to be asking Dr. Page all about uh, the pandemic as it uh, pertains to the county. And we're also going to be uh, asking about uh, the county government and what the county government is trying to do uh, to help out. So so let me start out, Dr. Page, by uh, by asking you a uh, kind of a multi-part question. I, I hope you had plenty of coffee because this first question is going to have many parts here. <laughs> so, yeah. Sure, that's fine. I, Okay, good, good. Yeah. So um, I I guess the the first thing I wanted to know is, can you tell our listeners um, sort of um, sort of the big picture, kind of a big picture summary of how the pandemic is going in St. Louis? And also, what is the uh, what is the trajectory? How is the trajectory of the pandemic going? Have we reached the peak or not? And also, Uh, part number three is can you uh, give us a summary of some of the things that the county government is doing uh, to try to mitigate the crisis?
2: Well, there's a lot there, so I will march through um, and and try, and and, and if I get a little bit off, uh, please bring me right back. Sure thing. uh,
1: I was was, was serious when I mentioned the coffee. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know,
2: we've um we've been at this now for a couple of months, even before we had our first positive case in St. Louis County. We were planning for this because we saw what was happening across the country, and we knew that we would we would face a challenge at some point. Um so we had our emergency operations center up and running, and our public health officials were were starting to plan and prepare. And here in St. Louis County, almost a month ago, more than a month ago, we started instituting social distancing measures and eventually a stay-at-home order, which has protected us a great deal. If we look at what's happened across the country, on the coasts and across the world, um, we were fortunate to, um, to gain the, the faith and, and confidence of our, of our community to follow us on our social distancing and we have not had the impact of other communities. Our hospitals are working well together. They uh, are, were well prepared. They coordinated their activities earlier. And Dr. Garza has done a good job representing and reporting on how the health systems have responded to this, the number of hospitalizations, the ICU admissions, and the ventilators. On the okay. public health side, we're working cooperatively with other public health departments in neighboring jurisdictions, St. Charles County, Franklin County, Jefferson County, and the city of St. Louis. Uh, we've organized our public health response together and have started trying to uh, coordinate testing throughout the county. Uh, testing is a big part of what we do to respond to a public health emergency in the 21st century. And, uh, you know, in 14th century, the response was just quarantines of large populations and time and patience. And um, unfortunately, in our country, we're quite a bit behind on the production of testing materials. And here in St. Louis County, we're uh, struggling, like everyone, to compete for the ability to purchase those materials. But testing has been up and running here for Uh, Several weeks um, in all corners of the county, and that's starting to become more and more prevalent, but not anywhere where we where we need to be. Ah, So, um, you know, we're we're moving forward in a a really organized way and and touching this as quickly as possible.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I guess I guess I was especially wondering about the testing situation is so it sounds like the testing situation is. We still have a pretty big shortage of tests, but that problem is getting less bad. The, the shortage is not as bad as it used to be. How's that? How? What's What's up with that?
2: Well, we are facing this uh, national shortage, and um, early on in our country, um, um, we made some decisions that didn't prepare us quite as well on the production side. But we're competing. We're able to get tests through this through the State Department of Health. We're able to order a few tests. The backbone of the testing infrastructure in St. Louis County is run by the health systems through their mm-hmm. regional operations. Layered on top of that are the public health response, um, some tests that we are, were able to get. We're standing up testing in our public health centers um, more aggressively uh, starting, um, starting on Monday. We've had a few tests um, mainly for our rapid response team that goes into nursing homes to um, test uh, um, our oh. uh, residents there and um, their their employees whenever there's an outbreak and first responders. But we're starting yeah. to be able to get enough tests now to get out into the community more. And then our federally qualified health centers also have a footprint in testing. And then there's a, the private labs. But we still don't have enough tests in our region to test everyone who's symptomatic. And they really have been limited for the most part to people with uh, chronic health conditions who are symptomatic who are likely to do poorly with a COVID-19 infection, and then healthcare yeah. workers, hospitalized patients, and first responders.
1: Oh, so so those so people in those categories are prioritized for the tests, and if if you're not in those categories, then currently they're just you, someone can have can be sick with COVID and never really get diagnosed.
2: Well, we can make a clinical diagnosis based on their on their symptoms, and anyone who uh-huh. has a dry cough or. Um, shortness mm-hmm. of breath and a fever in this setting as is presumed to have covid nineteen and would be treated like that until we can uh, uh, get a test for them. We hope over yeah. the next week to be able to greatly expand testing to everyone who's symptomatic, and that's a big uh-huh. part of our our plan to um, move out of the stay at home orders.
1: Yeah, oh, so that's good news. so it might it might be as soon as a week from now when um, when the testing situation is better.
2: Yes, we are hoping next week. Again, we've, uh, we've got a lot of people working on this, and we're lucky that we have um, uh, major healthcare institutions here in St. Louis that are very sophisticated, uh, BJC and, and Mercy and SSM all um, are first class. They each have yeah. a, a testing ability within their systems, and those have been gearing up. Um, they, they've always had the ability to run tests, but purchasing the supplies has been very difficult.
1: Right. Okay. Oh, that's that's good to know. Oh, time flies so fast. That music means Chad needs to needs to take us out here. We're going to be back soon. We're, and when we get back, I'm going to ask Dr. Page about the peak. Are we there yet? Are we at the peak? And what happens after that? Uh, thanks for joining us. I'm Dr. Steve Harvey. This is The Medical Beat, and we'll be right back.
0: The cathedral Golden. You're listening to the Medical Beat. We all love an expert. We've got a roof expert, a plumber, a great mechanic, the list goes on. A local all-state agent is an insurance expert that knows the community. You'll get advice you can trust to help you select coverage that's best for you. So whether it's protection for your car, home, boat, motorcycle or more, Ashburn Allstate agent Venu Ambakar is here to help. Are you in good hands?
1: All right. Hey, so like like the voice said, you're listening to The Medical Beat. This is 97.1 FM Talk, uh, KFTK. Uh, I am your host, Dr. Steve Harvey. And for those of you who missed it, we have on the show today the county executive, Dr. Sam Page, who's telling us about... Uh, the COVID epidemic here in the St. Louis metropolitan area, and is talking about the county's response to that pandemic. And I, I think that the first thing I want to ask is, can you tell me, so, so Sam, can you tell me, uh, or can you tell all of us, um, the the peak of the pandemic? I, I think I read something a couple of days ago that the peak is coming really soon. Uh, so basically, are, are we there yet? Are, are we there?
2: Well, thanks, thanks, Steve. Yeah, the peak yeah. is really a plateau. It's like any curve. You can't really see the curve until you're past it and looking oh. back, and yeah. it's established. But over the past uh, couple of days, we've seen it flatten out a bit. Um, Dr. Garza does a great job of keeping track of those hospitalization numbers, and that's really what we watch. In any environment where testing is inadequate, and we know that it's inadequate in our country, and there aren't enough testing supplies, and and, mm-hmm. and there aren't enough in our region either, but we can't really depend on the number of tests uh, to determine where the peak is because we we just don't have enough uh, supplies. Oh. So we watch uh, right. the number of people who are sick in the hospital, and then uh, that that curve seems to be flattening out, and uh, we expect it to do that uh, this weekend.
1: Gotcha. Uh, oh, I see what you mean. So when they when they talk about the peak flattening out, it's really measuring people in the hospital, people in the ICU, people. In, uh, on ventilators. It's not, not the number of people who tested positive because that number could go up just because we have more testing. Yeah.
2: And it's a, and that yeah. number is a little bit unreliable because uh, sometimes it's reported in batches. There are four or five ah. different groups in the testing space and the their results come, at, some come in a few hours, 20, 24 hours, some take a few days. So they come in, yeah. in bundles and that number as a trend monitor is is not as accurate as we would hope if we had a very robust testing environment we could watch that more closely
1: yeah okay okay so 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 it's kind of unclear if we're at the peak yet but it sounds like we're we're either at the peak or close to it probably would that be fair yeah, to say so, uh, we
2: wouldn't watch yeah we wouldn't watch we wouldn't judge the peak of the virus in our community by test results um, we would watch that as a trend line as a number and as a secondary variable but really a better predictor of where we are is hospitalizations and ICU admissions and those seem to be uh, flattening out this week and uh, I would expect uh, just from what I've seen in Dr. Garza's reports that we're at the top of that plateau and we should start uh, trending down a little bit next week
1: oh that's that's good news that's good news yeah and I just just from what I see on the news it it sounds like at least to me it, it sounds like things are going quite a bit better in st louis county than they are in a lot of comparably sized cities like you know like detroit and places like that so it sounds like things are going less less bad than i think less bad than i expected them to go when i was looking at the well, numbers certainly. in other parts of the country yeah so it's, things are relatively better than expected
2: yeah. well, we, we yeah. certainly plan for the worst and and uh, hope for the best. We were lucky to move very quickly and assertively early on, and um, that's really protected St. Louis County and in in the region uh, pretty well. well in what really is a devastating virus and a, a devastating uh, impact on our community.
1: Oh, and, and the economy. Yeah, yeah. And I know uh, as far as the hospitals, I know that Dr. Garza is leading uh is leading the uh, St. Louis Metropolitan Pandemic Task Force, and I, I know Dr. Garza. He's 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 sort of a rock star. Didn't he used to be like Assistant Secretary of Homeland Security or something like that? Or, or yeah, he was medical
2: good... director for for Homeland Security. He really is a he's a good guy. I've known him for many years. Very good at yeah. what he does. Um, an ER doctor by training. Um, uh-huh. Very sincere. As uh, uh, certainly some military training as Well, he's a colonel in the army national guard and a medical doctor who served uh, overseas and been deployed and worked in homeland security very uniquely talented person to be uh, at the top leadership of a healthcare system here in st louis and helping us through this process
1: that's excellent and so so you two know each other from way back and, and so you're able to, to communicate and coordinate together it sounds like
2: Oh we have. Well, we probably talk three times a week, but he really is doing a great job. I'm very proud of the work he's doing with the health systems, and he's been a good partner in this.
1: That's great. Are the are the hospitals doing okay? Are they close to being overwhelmed, or are they are they hanging in there?
2: Well, they uh, they've done well. They planned ahead, but really, what's helped our hospital systems is our early measures to um, implement uh, uh, crowd control, social distancing, and we were able to stop the rapid spread of this virus in our community to the point where the hospitals could manage the crisis. They also made a lot of changes to prepare for the surge of patients. They stopped mm-hmm. elective surgeries. They made some changes in their, in their footprints. We even contracted with uh, a hotel um, and another facility for overflow in case our hospitals um, got too busy. So some of the non-intensive care patients could be managed elsewhere. But we had a really good plan. Uh, Dr. Garza led that effort for the region and um, that plan and that planning and that cooperation between our health systems, along with the social distancing measures that controlled the surge of patients has really led us to um, be in a lot better position than other communities.
1: Yeah, that's great. And I, I guess some, sometimes plan, planning ahead is a beautiful thing. And I guess sometimes it's sort of invisible because if you do a really good job of planning ahead, then things go smoothly and they don't really notice all the things people did to plan ahead. <laughs> But it's good. It's, it's great that things are planned ahead like that. That's good. Yeah. Well, hey, we, we I, know yeah. what
2: could have happened. You know, we can look across yeah. the country and see where we could have been for sure.
1: Yeah. Oh, for, yeah, for sure. Yeah. And I think I think the other part of this, you know, you know, one one part of this is uh, worrying about the pandemic and people getting sick and dying. The other part of this, of course, is the the, the, the terrible effects uh, on the economy, uh, from having to enforce social distancing and so forth, and and uh, I, I was wondering, um, do you, is it is it too soon to be asking this, or what, what do you think as far as the criteria for being able to open things up in the county?
2: Well, we started asking those questions as soon as we. Started to have to close things down because we knew it would be a tough time. We really have three crises in front of us: we have the public health crisis, the humanitarian crisis, and the economic crisis. And we're working, we're working on all three of those. But in, in order to relax social distancing, we we need to see the virus start to come down in our community. We need to see the hospital capacities adequate. Can they handle a, a new group of patients, because we know when we relax social distancing, the infections will bump up a bit. And depending on how we relax those and the social distancing measures that are still in place, and we need to know that the hospitals have enough protective equipment and supplies. Most importantly, we need um, widespread acceptance of social distancing as a new way of life and Mm -hmm. uh, robust testing in our community so we can test people who have symptoms, who are acutely ill, and active contract tracing through our health systems and our public health departments to make sure that we can find people who have been exposed, um, give them advice, quarantine them if necessary, and um, try and uh, limit the rapid spread of this virus in our community.
1: Yeah. And that that contact tracing is interesting. Do they they interview someone who's sick and they say, you know, who have you seen, who have you been around, and then they go make phone calls? Or how, how does that work? How does the contact tracing work?
2: Well, we have volunteers, uh, well well over 100 volunteers in St. Louis County now that is in, that involved in that. We're working in a coordinated way with uh, surrounding jurisdictions. But whenever someone tests positive, they're interviewed by a public health employee, and we ask them who they've been exposed to backing up to the time that they could have spread this virus. And then we call those, those other individuals and then let them know you've been exposed to someone who is tested positive for COVID-19, and these are the precautions you should take, these are the symptoms you should watch watch for, call us if you have any symptoms, see your doctor, and just alert people. And it's the same fundamentals of public health for any communicable disease, whether it's tuberculosis or anything else we've been dealing with for, for decades, um, and it's applied to this epidemic with COVID-19.
1: Yeah, yeah, and I guess catching catching those things early is uh, is a wonderful thing, because if you don't catch them early, exponential growth is a thing, you know, if one one person gets loose, they can give it to a few others and they give it to a few others, but catching someone early, you could prevent many, many cases. Yeah.
2: Yeah. So we see the rapid logarithmic growth of infections in a community as it doubles every two or three days. And that is uh, what we, we can't deal with and we don't like to see uh, when one infected patient gives this to two or three uh, or four other patients that is a rate of spread that we can't control in order to uh, eliminate this virus in our community each person who's infected has to give it to less than one person and that's where we are right now with these aggressive social distancing measures Uh, we know that this virus is spreading um, less than one person um, uh, from each infected person and that's where we need to be
1: excellent excellent so so the number of people currently sick from COVID 19 uh, will be starting to decline soon and Hopefully, that's, that's one step toward uh, toward things going back to normal. The, the sooner, the better. These,
0: <laughs> these
2: social distancing measures are certainly very painful. Um, yeah. They've rewarded us, but now we have to find our path forward.
1: Yeah, yeah. Oh, hey, I hear the music playing, so Chad needs to take us take us off the air for, for a commercial break. Hey, when I come back, when I come back, uh, we're going to uh, ask Sam Page some more things. One thing I'm going to ask is... Uh, so going from medicine to politics. What the heck were you thinking, Sam? That's what I'm going to ask when we come back. And off we go on break.
0: Hey, baby. Yes, I've been to the gypsy to get my fortune told. We all love an expert. We've got a roof expert, a plumber, a great mechanic. The list goes on. A local Allstate agent is an insurance expert that knows the community. You'll get advice you can trust to help you select coverage that's best for you. So whether it's protection for your car, home, boat, motorcycle, or more, Ashburn Allstate agent Venu Ambakar is here to help. Are you in good hands? You're listening to The Medical Beat.
1: All right. Hey, we're back. This is the Medical Beat 97.1 FM Talk. I'm your host, Dr. Steve Harvey, and we're here talking about COVID 19 in St. Louis County. And our guest is Dr. Sam Page, who is a physician and also county executive uh, for St. Louis County. So I think that the thing I wanted to start out with is you know, even though this is a medical show, we occasionally, uh, we occasionally, Kind of start talking about politics, you know, against my better instincts, and you, usually the conclusion we reach is, you know, politics bad, medicine good. Yay science, boo politics. You know, that, that's kind of that's kind of the, the vibe the show has given off sometimes. But now, now we have Dr. Page here, who is both, who is both. Do, Dr. Page is uh, uh, executive of the county and and also a uh, a physician, an anesthesiologist. So. So so the first thing I wanted to ask is is Sam what what uh what 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 the heck were you thinking how how did you get from medicine to politics how did that happen
2: Well for the past uh 27 years as a practicing physician I've uh, been involved and engaged and for about 20 years in some sort of local elected part-time position um uh-huh. public service position while practicing yeah. medicine, either city council or state representative or county council. But I started out medical school just advocating for public health issues, um, you know, smoking cessation, yeah. physician-patient uh, relationship issues. And over time, you'll learn that you can go talk to an elected official about what you think is important. But if you really want to change the decisions government is making, then you need to have a seat at the table. And that's when I started running for office.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's sort of like p- politics has kind of become an extension of, of your mission as a physician, really,
2: it's a, well, to, sure. to, in, to help. Yeah. In the operating room, we can take care of a patient, you know, one at a time. In my pain management uh-huh. practice, I could take care of a patient one at a time. But in uh, in an elected uh, physician, the decisions we make affect large groups of people, and you can help large groups of people uh, instead of just one person at a time. And some of these right. public health issues, whether it was a prescription drug monitoring program that that I passed in in the county or the the tobacco mm-hmm. twenty one bill and, and vaping restrictions, those have had a real impact
1: they, they have yeah, yeah, and i can I can attest to that in my in my medical practice or in my office, the uh, prescription drug monitoring program is is huge you know that's that That was just a huge help to a lot of patients yeah so huh so so um so, so I guess now, now that you're county executive, I mean, of course, being county executive is uh, a full-time job and more probably, because here you are on a Saturday morning, right? So it's more than a full-time job, and so, so you're not. I, I assume you're not doing anesthesia currently.
2: Oh no, this is a full-time job, even even outside of a, a global pandemic and the toughest challenge that our communities faced in, uh, in uh, yeah. really almost a hundred years. This is uh certainly a full time job i I don't uh practice uh anesthesia anymore i I do go uh one week in a month or so just to keep my skills up and went on a mission trip in the Dominican Republic earlier this year oh. but um this yeah. is this is full time uh with uh, a county of a million people and a an almost a billion dollar budget it's uh It's a very busy responsibility and certainly has been interesting to be here with a medical degree to be able to navigate our way through. This uh, very challenging time.
1: Oh, I can imagine. Yeah. So, so I'm wondering if, uh, if you're having a really rough day in your county executive job, do, do you ever wish you uh, were a doctor again?
2: Well, the, one of my uh, <laughs> colleagues in, the, in county government said one time that they were that it uh, frightened him a little bit how calm I was in a crisis. <laughs>
1: and I oh, have, to, right.
2: yeah. you have to remind them, you know, this is not uh, this is not uh, CPR. We're not. You know, this is This moment is not a life-threatening issue, although people are upset and alarmed around us. And they're very high-stakes decisions that we make in county government. Um, And and, in this setting, of course, it is life-threatening for the community. But, um, you know, for the past 20 years in the operating room, we deal with very sick patients. And um, we're bringing them back from a a catastrophic event. And uh, that sort of intensity and pressure and high-stakes sort of environment is, is good training for politics, for sure.
1: Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I know what you mean. When, when every day, when every day at work is a, a long string of uh, of crises, then other crises are like, yeah, it's not does not uh, It doesn't. It, it's it's a lot, lot easier to navigate your way through that for sure. Yeah, yeah.
2: Well, I'd still like to be go on a mission trip uh, a couple of times a year and and still you know keep my hand exposed to medicine because I do enjoy taking care of patients and it is challenging. Uh, but uh-huh. um, this position I'm in right now has a lot of responsibility and it's an opportunity to help steer our community through a very difficult time. And I'm, um, I'm honored to have that that chance.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And how about um, one other thing I was wondering about is, as I know I, I, one thing that I, if you can piece together for us, uh, I know there's, you know, you in, in with the County government and there's also the governor and what, do, what if you want to do one thing and the governor wants to do something else, who, who has authority over that or who sets the limits or can the governor override you or how does, how does that work?
2: Well, uh, traditionally, um, these responses are managed um, at the state level, but occasionally mm-hmm. we've seen across the country, well, uh, really uh, more than a few places where local governments that have been more directly impacted have moved more quickly than the rest of the yeah. state, and that's what we did here in St. Louis County. Uh, we were impacted. Uh, we still are the largest jurisdiction in the state, um, almost a million people, and um, we certainly have a different demographic, different geography than the rest of the state. We have well over a third, um, almost half of all of the coronavirus cases in the state, and mm-hmm. we um, we certainly had a different situation, and we had to move quickly, and we've we've benefited from that that quick movement but the yeah. governor's orders will um impact the entire state he's made it very clear that he'll leave it to local jurisdictions who are um impacted directly to make their own decisions and when his stay-at-home order is is relaxed in a week or so um, we anticipate that we'll be continuing here in st louis county for a little longer until we believe it's safe to to ease those safety orders and um um you know, vanish the virus and also begin to try and uh, open up our, our economy more than it has been.
1: Yeah. And to, and to, to try to rebuild from there. Yeah. yeah. And I guess, I guess a lot of the uh, efforts from the County are, are on the County website. Let me, uh, let me give a quick shout out for that. There's a, it's stlcorona.com. So that's STL and it's spelled the same way as the beer or the virus stlcorona.com. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot, there's a ton of good, I I looked at that website, there's a, you guys have a ton of good information on there.
2: Well, yes, so this is where we can learn about testing, frequently asked questions, all of my executive orders and limitations are there, our public health orders, Um, and also we can track our spending. Um, There's a, a, a very nice portal there where in real time you can see what we spent on our three buckets of response, the public health response, the humanitarian response, and the economic response. I've also issued an executive order for an economic rescue team and we're going to be talking more about that as we have conversations about easing our safety orders and social distancing about oh. uh, positioning the county very aggressively to put um you know put our businesses back uh, to where they were before.
1: Yeah. Oh, an economic rescue team. That's that's excellent. So yeah. Yeah, and and I guess the the web one thing you mentioned is the website has a has a detailed listing of the expenditures from the county, so the county has uh, so the county has a lot of uh, has has good transparency. Everybody can see where the money is being spent.
2: Yeah, I think that's important, and that's in real time. Um, we want to make sure that uh, everybody understands where the tax do- dollars are going and how we're spending the federal stimulus grant in a way that um, impacts the county and, and helps. More, most importantly, to Address the public health response, but also to address humanitarian relief and um, moving us uh, forward in, in getting our uh, economy recovered and restored
1: right yeah, that sounds good yeah and i and i was i think another thing I wanted to ask about is uh is is whether or not uh, county partisanship is is uh, is much of an issue in in running the county and i guess i guess the the, the way I wanted to ask that is you know one one thing you might have noticed is that uh you know, elected officials have either a D or an R by their name, you know, and, and depending on which letter you have, uh, you know, there are going to be people who think you have the wrong letter. And if they think you have the wrong letter, then everything you do is wrong. Everything you say is bad, you know, is that, is is that kind of partisan craziness, um, an issue when running the county, or, or is it less of an issue in the county than a we see on the national stage
2: well certainly at the national level it's been uh, tragic over the past uh, really over the past decade to watch and over the past few years and uh, probably that partisanship probably played a role in our delayed response to this uh, initially but we did Mm -hmm. see our federal elected officials come together for this bipartisan stimulus package and um, uh, that was uh, really because of course this is like our 9-11 in our country the impact of this virus at the local level, as when I was chair of the county council for a couple of years, I led a bipartisan coalition, and we were united uh, together to solve problems for the county and, of course, working very very hard to protect the county. Uh, the former county executive uh, was involved in a lot of issues that eventually led to his indictment and um, a, a jail yeah. sentence and a guilty plea. Mm-hmm. But uh-huh. moving forward, um, we've had a pretty good relationship, but here we are a few months from an election, and those partisan yeah. reflexes will, will be there. And we've oh. seen a little bit of that, um, where uh, election around the corner and people start to gear up a little bit and, and taking shots at folks that have a different letter by their name. And then right. there are, um, you know, folks that uh, you know feel very strongly about their their uh, their party label and even not elected officials and they engage in this as well. But I think we'll get past past that. You know, we have um, we still have those relationships, we still have those roots in working together uh the county council and the county executive and we will continue to govern regardless continue to take care of the county but we hope that um republicans and democrats can come together and and help us through this very tragic time in our history
1: oh i i sure hope so because that would that would be a beautiful thing but i'm i'm glad to hear glad to hear it sounds like that's at least less of an issue on the on the local level than it is than it is nationally so that that sounds good so yeah and I, 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 hear that, I hear that music going in. The, is that the music in the background there? Yes, yeah. it is. Okay, Ch- Chad is playing music in the background, and we all know what that means. The show is not done. The show is not over. We have a little bit more left to go. I'm here with Dr. Sam Page, uh, county executive, been talking about COVID-19. When we come back, we're going to tell you a little bit about the fascinating history of handwashing. I know it does not sound Fascinating, but I swear, trust me on this. The history of hand washing in medicine. We're going to talk about the story behind that, and we'll be right back. 97.1 FM Talk.
0: You're listening to the Medical Beat.
1: All right. Hey, we're back. We're back. This is the Medical Beat 97.1 FM Talk. I'm your host, Dr. Steve Harvey. Uh, we have our super special guest, Dr. Sam Page, uh, County Executive of St. Louis County. And for this last part here, we're going to talk, we're going to uh, shift gears a little bit, and we're going to talk about uh, the overlapping topic of, of hand washing, specifically uh, hand washing in medicine. So this is going to be our moment of science. Chad?
0: And now for a moment of science.
1: Science. A moment of science. I believe brothers and sisters. We're talking about science here. So we're going to start this story with uh, with someone you might not have heard of. Fascinating story. It's Dr. Semmelweis. Dr. Semmelweis was a Hungarian physician in the mid 1800s, this was uh, you know roughly 1850, give or take, and Dr. Semmelweis worked in a hospital where um, he and other physicians uh, they delivered a lot of babies. And back then, it was very very common for women who had delivered a baby to uh, to get sick, get a fever, and sometimes die. And at that time, the hospital he worked in the death rate from getting a fever and then dying was about 6%, about 6%. And and that was sort of normal back then. That was common. And somehow, somehow, and this was before people understood what germs were. People didn't know that germs caused disease, really. And Dr. Semmelweis got the idea that maybe by washing your hands before you deliver the baby, that, uh, that somehow that might help. So he started washing his hands. He was, he was in charge, so he made the other doctors wash their hands also. And after doing that, uh, the death rate went from about 6% to something way less than 1%. So it was a huge decrease in, in the number of deaths. And, uh, and that part of the story, that, that, should be, that should be the part of the story where we have a happy ending. But was it a happy ending? No, no, it was actually not a happy ending. That the story, the story kind of gets sadder from there. So, so what happened is that other physicians around the world did not believe Dr. Semmelweis. They they did not see any reason why washing your hands would make a difference. You know, why would you need clean hands to deliver a baby? To, to them, that made no sense. It was illogical. They thought he was a crackpot. Um, He uh, pushed his idea of hand-washing year after year. Uh, It was sort of him against the world. Uh, Mostly other people did not believe him. And after he was at this for several years, he uh, started having a mental breakdown. And uh, they think it might have, you know, back then, uh, sometimes people got syphilis infections in their brains or something like that. So they, they think it was probably some kind of brain illness he had, but he started acting very, very different. And Dr. Semmelweis was uh, committed to an insane asylum in Hungary. And while he was at the insane asylum, he got into a fight with the guards. He lost the fight and he died uh, just a couple of weeks after uh, he was ad- uh, admitted to the insane asylum. Um, so he never lived. He never lived to see the day when he was proven to be right, when it turned out that, that he was right about hand washing. And I, it was maybe 10 or 15 years later uh, when, when the world woke up and realized uh, that germs were a thing and, uh, and uh, washing your hands made a huge difference before any kind of medical procedure. So that is the story uh, of Dr. Semmelweis. It's not, not exactly bedtime story for the kids, but that, that is the story, and that's kind of how science works out sometimes. And uh, since we're talking about hand washing, you know, you've all seen it on TV, right? You know, the doctors are going to operate, and they're there at that sink, and they've got the cap and the gloves, and they're washing their hands. And it's, it's actually a little more complicated and involved uh, than it looks. So uh, you know, it's been a long time since I was in medical school. So it's been a long time since I've done that. But we got Dr. Page right here, Dr. Page. Uh, I, I, you've probably scrubbed into like like a bazillion surgeries there, Dr. Page. Sam, yeah,
2: quite a quite a few since medical school and rather than being young physician, we've certainly yeah. seen a seen a lot of surgeries over time. I'll It's bet. Um, just. Uh, I can't ever remember arguing with anybody about the importance of hand washing. Uh, but that was well before my time. Right. We, yes, um,
1: yes.
2: Yeah. Certainly um, in an operating room, you have a, a sterile door and uh, that's where you come in from the equipment and the hand washing side. And then the, uh, another side uh, where you bring the patient in. But uh, we always have had a three minute, three minute hand washing session. And once your hands are washed, then you hold them up in the air just like TV and, Back through the door and put on a gown, a sterile gown and gloves, and, and you go to work. But even right. when you're not when you're not in the, uh, operating on a patient, um, we still when we walk into the hospital every day, we do a three minute scrub um, and um, wash our hands every time we go in and out of a patient's room, either soap and water or um, uh, alcohol based hand sanitizer. It's just part of the routine um, every day and many many times a day, uh, dozens yeah. of times a day in the hospital.
1: Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess in the operating room, at least what I remember is there's pedals on the floor to get the water to go. So you're not touching the handles. Right.
2: All right. So there's we uh, started out with pedals, a pedal for the soap dispenser, uh, a little um uh, panel that you can hit with your knee to turn on the water, and it's on a timer for three minutes, and that's when you know the three minutes is up when the water starts stops running. You know you've okay. um, you don't have to sing happy birthday or anything like that. <laughs> the, the timer goes, the timer goes, and when the water goes off, it's it's been three minutes. Uh, there's some yeah. uh, electronic sensors now, the more advanced techniques, but um, there's always been a timer to be very disciplined about how much time you spend washing your hands.
1: Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I know when I did that, they had those uh, scrubby brushes with the plastic bristles. Do they still have those, or is that a thing anymore?
2: Oh, sure. Those those scrubby brushes are still around. Um, some of the hand sanitizers we have now are more uh, more advanced. Uh, uh, the soaps are a little bit more advanced than they they used to be. They all have a little chlorhexidine in them, along with with soap, and that's better. And oh. now, in, in the hospitals, you're required to keep your fingernails short. So there's less concerns about that than than there used to be, uh, but there's a lot oh. of advances over the years for sure.
1: Oh, I yeah, I, I didn't even realize that. So there's actually been advances in hand washing technology. That's that's good to know. That's good to know.
2: Technology, soaps, and uh, expectations. A- absolutely no jewelry in the operating room.
1: Uh-huh.
2: Uh huh. Can't have your nails done. They need to be clipped short. It's a different world than it than it used to be.
1: Right. Yeah. Yeah. And that's that's a good thing and i guess everybody uh everybody else is washing their hands too with not not, not with the high tech hand washing but with with uh i think the whole world is kind of uh learning the importance of washing hands in in this pandemic era era here and uh yeah yeah I, so i think we, that, we got a new our normal our going on this,
2: right our response to this in the community is to do everything we can as individuals to prevent the spread of this virus and we know hand washing is really the key um soap and water and hand sanitizers and that's um what's helped us uh, turn this tide and it's a big part of what individuals do to get our community better
1: yeah yeah so so that's our new normal hey real quick before we go so sam when the pandemic is over and you can get out again what are you looking forward to doing what do you want to do
2: well time with our friends that isn't a zoom call uh cardinal game get a haircut uh Go out to eat. Uh, we we miss those, and we miss a life like it used to be. It'll never be exactly like it used to be because we'll have this new normal of social distancing. But to see your friends again, that would that would uh, in a social setting and not on video would be uh, would be my first uh, first goal.
1: Oh, that would be great. Yeah, yeah. How about you, Chad? What do you want to do? Uh, using my voucher for Limp Brewery. Oh, that sounds good. Using your voucher for Limp Brewery. That that's that's a good answer. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I was thinking a- I want. to do- Yeah, there's this Mexican food place I want to go to. I hope I want want to do that. So anyway, okay, but I digress. Chad's playing the music. That means we got to head out. Hey, thank you so much, Dr. Sam Page, uh, County Executive. Thank you so much for being on the show.
2: Thanks for having me. It was a lot of fun.
1: Oh, yeah, it sure was. It sure was. Yeah. All right. Hey, we'll be back next week, and have a great week, everybody. Stay safe.
0: That last song was dedicated to everyone who missed it because they were in the bathroom changing their tampon. And the next 12 hours of songs are for anyone who's trying the Diva Cup for the first time and is currently kicking back with uninterrupted period protection. Sound good to you? Check out the world's number one menstrual cup for yourself at shopdiva.com and get 10% off with code radio10. Conditions apply.